The Ziggler Show comes from the legacy of Zig Ziggler and brings together personal and professional growth, business success, and faith. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. In this episode, Mentored by a Shark and the Business of Family. So how do you get a mentor? What does a good mentor look like? That's how we kick off this show, and I'm with Mark Tim. Mark is a seriously successful businessman who, can I just say, he's done very well. But he wanted to do better in business and as a dad. So he got a mentor and not just any mentor, mind you, but Kevin Harrington, the original shark on the blockbuster Shark Tank TV show, uh, inventor of the infomercial. And if you've ever heard, you know, wait, there's more. Well, that's from Kevin. So the two guys met through the Ziegler Corporation and family, Mark, CEO of Ziegler Family. I've been blessed to spend time with both guys, and they've now written a book together called Mentor to Millions, which you can get at getmtm.com. But what you're going to find in the book, and we cover it in the show, and it's literally a, a wait, here, wait, there's more episode. As I said, we start off with what everyone wants to hear most regarding mentors is how do I find a mentor? And, and here's what's interesting. Mark talks so much about the mentoring he got and gets from Kevin, even now as their business partners and, and peers. And folks, the book is along with everything else, a complete playbook on the business methods of Kevin Harrington. But Mark not only applies the lessons from Kevin to his business, but to his family as that's a primary focus for Mark. And as you'll hear, it's nurturing and growing his family is paramount and priority for him. So everything he learns and applies to business, he's applying to his family. That's what you're going to hear about here. He showcases that not only do you not have to sacrifice your family to be successful in your work or business, but you can actually benefit your family by bringing them into your work. So we're going to talk about how do you do that? It's really an intriguing message and show. And again, you can get mentor to millions, which has just come out already hit the bestseller list at getmtm.com. If you show them the receipt from buying the book, they're offering Kevin and Mark 30 days of mentorship for your business and your family. So I'm going to bring Mark to you right after sharing what else we have for you and some great products and services. All right. Well, Mr. Mark Tim, talking about mentors, and I appreciate that as I've often found myself talking about that. Obviously, we have a lot of guests. A lot of these books behind me are people who testify right off the bat to where they got where they are and are where they are because of mentoring. Of course, Zig is so infamous for his wall of fame, the people that added into their life. So people hear that and they think, gosh, that sounds great. They may even say, gosh, I could mentor somebody, but how do you find a mentor is where most people fall short because it feels like a big ask. So give us some guidance. Yeah, it, it's one of the main reasons that we wrote the book, Mentor to Millions. First off, you have to understand millions, Kevin, is not dollars. It's impact. And what we figured out in my relationship with Kevin Harrington is, is that the fastest way to impact the most amount of people, or in this case, millions of people, is mentorship. And that's the secret that so many of those authors behind you know, so many super uber successful people, they have a secret and the secret is they had mentors and they have mentors and they still have mentors. And that is why it was so critical to get this message out because, and by the way, we turned the manuscript in like a year ago and, and now today we need mentors more than ever during these uncertain times, these times of quarantine and COVID we need mentors. We need people who have been there, who have done that, who have failed, who have fallen, 
to reach down and say, I got you on this one. I'm going to pull you up. So how do you get a mentor? Here's how it works. I'm assuming right now that everybody, if you've got a hand, you raise it. If you don't raise your foot, whatever you're going to do, it begins with raising up your hand and saying this phrase, I'm ready to learn. Hmm. I'm ready to be taught. I'm ready to be coached because you see, you can't just say I'm ready for a mentor. You can't just say, I want a mentor. You have to say I'm ready. And there's a huge difference, Kevin, between I want and I'm ready. And here's the best part. And I'm going to, I'm going to hopefully make this easy for everybody. I actually believe that you already know everybody you need to know to accomplish everything you have in life. We have a mutual friend, Bob Bodine, and he wrote a book, The Power of Who. And it's all about you already know who you need to know. And so I'm going to contend that you already know the mentor that you need to have or the mentors that you need to have. Now, you say, no, I don't, Mark. No, I don't, Kevin. Yes, you do. I'm not saying it's the people in your immediate inner circle. They know who you need to know. If you are vulnerable enough, if you are have courageous enough to raise your hand to the people who know and love you and say, I'm ready to learn. I need to learn this. I need help in this area. They will either step up, show up and be that mentor, or they will connect you with who is. So the book that we talked about here, this very book, this is a living example of what I'm talking about, because you see my mentor in this book was Kevin Harrington. He's famous. He was on TV on Shark Tank. He was on 150 episodes, I believe, of Shark Tank. And so, you know, so this guy's famous. I don't know Kevin Harrington, but you know who I do know? I do know Tom Ziegler. I do know Julie Ziegler. I do know Cindy Ziegler. And Zig Ziegler was a mentor of mine when I was a young man. And so I knew Zig. And then I met Zig's children. Okay, and I'm developing a relationship with them. I'm helping them extend the message of Zig to families. Well, guess what? This guy named Kevin Harrington, he raises his hand. He reaches out to the children of Zig Ziglar and says Zig was a mentor of his. He wants to help extend the legacy of Zig. So they're talking, the children are talking to Kevin. They're talking to me. And then one day they said, you know what? We've got to introduce Kevin and Mark. So Kevin wasn't in my inner circle. I wasn't in his inner circle. But in our connected inner circle was the children of Zig Ziglar. So our mutual mentor, even after he passed this earth, his legacy continued, his legacy of mentorship. He is the reason that Kevin and I met. And now Kevin and I are impacting millions of people because of our relationship, because Kevin became my mentor, because I'm learning from him. And then we decided to do some businesses together to jointly get Zig's message out to the world. All of that happens. So that's the answer of how do you get a mentor? You raise your hand and say, I'm ready. I'm coachable. I want to learn. Okay. I want to ask about something that you said that to me is a, not only a big point, but it's one that I saw exemplified in my youth and I saw it in, I see it in you. It is in you as well. You said vulnerable and I wanted to put in there My first thought was humility. Of course, I'm speaking from my own bias. So for me to get mentoring and say I'm ready to learn means I'm being humble enough to say I don't know it all and I need help. That's not a big, strong area for me. So for me, it's humility. I see on the other side, it's people having the confidence 
to step forward and say, I'm worthy of learning and speaking. So I saw both of that, obviously, in you. But, I, you know, my dad, who you know well, Dan Miller, man, that guy's a consummate learner. And I just looked at him. He's a prideful dude, too. And it spoke to me when I thought, you know, he still knows he needs to learn at the hands of other people. And same with you. And in your story, when you talk, and I want people to hear this if they're not aware, when you, how long ago was it that you met Kevin? When did that happen? Uh, it was like five years ago. Five years ago. Okay. At that time, you weren't doing too poorly. Okay. If we talk about no. business. Okay. So Kevin Harrington, you know, you can go on. I know we don't talk about money, but you type in Kevin Harrington. One of the first things that comes up is net worth or something like that. And I think it shows yep. 450 million. Who knows what it is, but it's not a small amount. Um, not a small amount. In your own right, though you were doing very well. And for you to, you know what, can I ask you that? Cause I don't know the, I know some of your story, but I don't know what's in there. At that time you had had, you were having some good success in business. Um, what was the main source revenue source at that time, five years ago? So at that time it was a, a manufacturing company yeah. that I had. And I also had an e-commerce company. Yeah. And so that was my main source of revenue, but here's what I want to tell you. At that time, now I, I know this is not a small number, but I had had multiple businesses. I had sold six businesses up to that point, and but I never had been able to take a business past ten million, and it was frustrating because it was like I could start a business, I could grow a business, but then it would just stop, like it would plateau, and sometimes even start going down. And I'm like, I'm like, here's a guy, Kevin has like this is a fact you may not know about him. He has taken 21 businesses to over $100 million, yeah. a couple of them to a billion, a billion dollars. So I'm looking at this guy going, 21 times he's done this and I can't do it once. You know, I need a mentor like this. I need a guy that can teach me how to scale. And so, and, and there was some humility here that, you know, I had to basically say, hey, look, I need your help. I, I need, you know, help scaling. And, but I also knew that I had to do something. And this is really important. I want everybody to hear this. And that is, I knew Kevin Harrington was crazy busy. As it turns out, he's one of the busiest humans I've ever met in my life. So in the first exchange, people asked me, how'd you get Kevin to mentor you? And here's how it went down. I said, Kevin, number one, my kids were huge fans of Shark Tank. So I, I, they're like hanging on, I'm talking to, on, to him on the phone. Yeah. They're like holding their breath, you know, on, on the other side with me because they know I'm talking to him on the phone. And I said, look, I know you're a crazy busy guy, but I want you to know this. I want you to know that I'm going to value your time, that your time is extraordinarily valuable and I'm going to value it. And I want you to know one more thing. I'm willing to be your best student. If you will mentor me, I will commit to being the best student you've ever had. And do you know that's what actually got him to agree to mentor me was that statement because he's never had anyone say, not only do I want you to mentor me, but I'm willing to be your best student. And at one point I moved my entire family down to St. Petersburg, Florida, so I could be in proximity with him and be his best student. And I wasn't stalking him. I mean, we were traveling a lot together and I, and this is because his time is valuable. I moved my family down there so that every time we got on a plane, we left from the same airport. And he did most of his mentoring with me in an Uber at a hotel restaurant uh, in a plane sitting next to him in the seat because that's when he had available time. Yeah. It wasn't during the day. His, his time was cut up into minutes. And so the whole key is, is that you've got to not only be vulnerable, okay, but you've got to be respectful and you've got to be willing to be the best student. So you can have a mentor that you need in your life, but you had better be willing to commit to being their best student. And I'm going to go ahead and give you the third part, Kevin, because there's three parts to 
exponential impact through mentorship. One is get a mentor. Two is be the best student. And three is you then have to take what you've learned and you've got to teach it to someone else. Hmm. Now, for those of you that can see me right now, you'll see I'm sitting in front of a brick wall. I love brick. It's strong. You build houses out of it. You build foundations out of it. But that brick wall is just like a mentorship journey. The mentor gives you the bricks. So your job is to collect as many bricks as you can from that mentor. But if you stack them up, even one of our little kids could bust over a brick wall unless it has concrete and mortar. So the bricks are given to you by the mentor. You collect as many as you can, build your wall, and then how you get the concrete, how you get the glue, how you get the mortar that holds it all together is you have to teach what you've learned to someone else. That is the key to all of this. If you just collect bricks, it won't impact anybody but you. So if you wanna impact millions, you've gotta collect that learning and then teach it to someone else, and that locks it in for you and your life. I wanna talk about the level, cause you're talking at a high playing field. Okay, admittedly, I mean, we're talking about business. You had not, you'd sold multiple businesses, hadn't gone past 10 million. A lot of people will hear that and go, holy smokes, that's, that's, a, that's a high level. Okay, granted, and Kevin Harrington's up here doing, you know, 100 million, but I live in a little town, like you do. I live in a town, there's, I think, 3,700 households here in my little town. The amount of multimillionaires here sitting by themselves having coffee that I can ask for advice is tremendous. So I say that so that nobody discounts themselves. Please don't do that. There's no reason. It may be harder for you. It may be more of a challenge. You do not need to discount yourself. But I want to, I want to speak to something else that you said. Well, actually, a couple things. Uh, and I saw on Facebook, I saw some of the thread was going by and somebody asked, does your mentor need to be somebody, in essence, older than you are? And yeah, I know that comes up a lot. We'll speak to it. Okay, so the answer is no. No, they just must possess wisdom and experience in an area that you need to grow in. They don't have to be. I have mentors in my life right now that are younger than me. You know, admittedly, when I was younger, all of my mentors were older than me, but that was just demographics, right? And so, you know, I was younger and so they were older, but now I have mentors that are younger than me because they possess a knowledge that I need to have. So the criteria of mentor that you're looking at, and by the way, I have different mentors for different areas of my life. I have a mentor in my life that is more about my physical health. Okay. And he happens to be not far from where you're standing right now, yeah. just to be really, really candid. Yeah. Okay. So, so you introduce me and by the way, I didn't know him. He wasn't in my inner circle, but Dr. Randy is mentoring me right now to be a better version of myself physically. I consider him a mentor. Now he has a doctor in front of his name, but I choose to approach him in more of a mentorship way. And he is mentoring me to be better physically than I was before. I have a mentor in my spiritual life, okay? And I have a mentor in my business life. Now, I don't have 10 mentors. Okay? I just have a handful of mentors because sometimes they come and go when you've achieved a level of knowledge in that area. But what you're looking for is this. You're looking for how well do they listen, not how well do they talk. You want a mentor that knows they have two ears and one mouth and they're willing to listen to you to understand where you're coming from and understand where you want to go in life before they start imparting all of this wisdom. If you get a mentor that just talk, 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 they, they, then you're just kind of catching it in bits and pieces. Real mentorship is really understanding how to help the other person. So there got to be a good listener. The second thing is they need to have failed. 
and 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 you need to ask your mentor right up front tell me about your failures you likely know their success that's what attracted to you anyway tell me about your failures yeah. if they failed enough times man they are going to be a great mentor because guess what you fail a lot in life okay you fail in relationships you fail in in your family dynamics you fail in business. And the key is, you know, our, our mutual friend, Zig Ziglar, would say nobody drowns from falling in water, right? They only drown if they stay in it. And so you need a mentor that's going to help pull you up when you fall down because they know what failure uh, feels like. If you get a mentor that's never failed, they're probably not going to be a good mentor because they only know one way of thinking in life. And so it doesn't matter their age. It matters that they have some wisdom you need. It matters that they're a good listener. It matters that they've failed because that is life. Well, and we may get into a little bit of it, but obviously a big part of this book is an incredible playbook on, you know, Kevin Harrington's business council. And you talk specifically to that or reference that the amazing amount of, you know, so-called failures, things that didn't work out that he learned from yada, yada, but he had a lot of failures like Babe Ruth, man, he struck out more, but he, he hit more home runs. So we'll get into that. But coming back to this aspect of how we see a mentor is so important to me. I admittedly, somewhat had that perspective of, yeah, not only is the mentor need to be older, but they need to be like Yoda or Mr. Miyagi and know everything about everything, right? And you just turn to them as the source and the Holy Grail, like Gandalf for all wisdom. And for a while, I thought I was missing that person. And then I realized I have a lot of mentors in different areas. And you talked about Randy. Okay. So Dr. James, my co-host on the true life podcast, who is Tom Ziegler's doctor as well as mine and yours. And you know, he is your mentor, as you said, in health and wellness, you can mentor him in business. And we just don't, I don't think people conceptualize mentorship. It needs to be again, Yoda out here who knows everything and you don't know anything that it can be amongst peers. Because now, even as you still claim, uh, rightly so, I mean, Kevin, as your mentor, he's also just your friend and he's a yep. peer and you yep. guys are doing business together and he's asking you questions. And yep. that really rocks the boat of, I think that perspective that we have as a mentor. And I, I think makes it more palatable as I realize, well, Randy's my health mentor as well. We're the same age. Um, I tend to talk more to him on kids because his youngest is, no, his oldest is 14. My oldest is 25. So I've just had more experience. I've been along that road. I love that, that we can be mentored amongst our peers. And here's an interesting one I'll ask you about. Have you ever felt mentored by one of your kids yet? You are listening to The Ziegler Show and this episode on mentoring and family with Mark Tim. You'll be interested to hear how he answers my question of, have you ever been mentored by one of your kids? And remember, you can get Mentor to Millions and 30 Days of Mentorship for your business and family at GetMTM.com. And next, we'll just jump right back in. I'm going to share some great products and services with you, and then we'll be back with Mark. Oh, well, you have to know, okay, so you and I are similar. Now I've got young adult children yep. and my young adult children are now mentoring me in areas and, and let's be candid, okay? I want, you, you gotta understand this. I didn't have my first cell phone until I was in my mid to upper 20s. Yep. Like people don't realize I'm working for USA Today as their director of marketing with no cell phone. I, I, I didn't have a cell phone, nobody had a cell phone, okay? And so, you know, so here I am, you know, with technology, my kids mentor me on technology all the time. 
Like they, they, they've forgotten more about technology than I even know at this stage of my life. And so, and they're now going out into the world. They're taking lessons that I taught them and they're applying them. They're actually implementing those and then coming back and saying, hey, you had a couple things good, but you were off on a couple things. I just want you to know that. And I'm listening because I value them and I respect them. And, you know, my my oldest son right now, we have the best conversations because he's out there hustling. And and yesterday, like he's been working. He starts at seven in the morning and he works a full time job and he bought his first house to flip. So he's trying to do all the work himself. So he finishes his job, his day job that he needs the money to put in the house. And then he drives over and he works on the house till 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And he just falls into bed and gets up the next day and does it. He goes, dad, this is hard. Like, this is hard work. He's like, I don't know if I could do this forever, but I can do it now. And I said, well, do it now while you have the young body and the young bones and the young muscles. But it's so awesome that we can breathe life into each other in that way. So yes, totally having that experience now. And yes, you are mentoring you. I, I So just so you know, it's in the book, but I inspired Kevin to pivot on the relationship he had with his own two boys. He wanted to have more of a relationship with his boys and they were young adults at the time that we met. And so he started looking and asking me questions about kids and and sons and everything. And he changed his relationship with his boys and he involved them more in his businesses. You can't do business with Kevin Harrington now without having some interaction with his boys. And that was a big pivot that he made as a result of our relationship. So he mentored me a lot. But in that one area, I was able to really breathe a lot of wisdom into his life. Okay, I want to come back to two points there, but I don't want to lose uh, one more aspect on the aspect of finding a mentor. So last night I'm with my three older sons actually, and we decided to watch something inspirational. I went to Goalcast and uh, typed in I think top inspirational or top Goalcast videos, and we watched I think four or five. They're like four or five minutes. And folks, if you don't know Goalcast, go find those. It's like I mean TED Talk. Somebody comes out on stage, they talk for 20 minutes. Goalcast four or five minutes, and they're taking clips and there's music and it's inspirational. And uh, Rock Thomas, who I had on the show I think early this year, has one of the top Goalcast videos uh, of all time. That's one to go see. Rock Thomas Goalcast. But there were three guys almost in a row, Mark, who shared famous guys. One of them was Kevin Hart, the actor, comedian actor. And they shared the realities of their youth, which were all very hard, all had very bad father stories and all had at some point a mentor who came along and found them. Now you and I might say that was God ordained. Some of them might say as well, but that's also that feeling I think people get, especially when it's glamorized in the movies that along here you are down and out and depressed and along comes again, you to pick on it, you know, Mr. Miyagi, uh, this guy who picks you up. I mean, that's, you know, Andy Andrews, that's his story. You know, he had Jones come along. A lot of people that has not happened. I don't want them to wait for that to happen as well. So as, lo- as much as you said, raise your hand and say, I'm ready to learn. There is the aspect for a lot of us who also need to get out there and ask, give a little, give a little direction on picking ourselves up, going out and proactively finding that person. 
You have to ask. I mean, you've got to be proactive. You already know everybody you need to know to accomplish everything you need to accomplish in life. The question is, are you vulnerable and courageous enough to ask? And if you're willing to ask, I promise you, Kevin, I promise you, anyone listening, your mentor will show up, will show up just like they did in my life, just like they've done in your life, Kevin, just like they did for Andy Andrews, just like they did for your father. By the way, I was on with your father yesterday. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Anyway, anyway, I love him. He's, he's amazing. So, and he's, uh, go, go ahead. Keep on. No, 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 no. He, he's well, the, well, he's the one who taught me. He says, you know, so often you have, well, let's take you for instance. And I'll, I'll, I'll ask you, you, you're in a small town in Indiana, right? Yeah. Aren't you a fairly oh. small town? Okay. So here you are. And some people may, I'm sure there's people in town that know you, they know you, you know, you've got a big house, you've got a big family, you've done well. Now they're seeing you on, you know, stuff like this, you know, seeing you on the TV and whatnot. And so you're a big name anywhere, but you're in a small town. How many of those people think, oh man. Mark Tim. I mean, I'm sure everybody's beating his door down. Everybody's asking his counsel. The guy doesn't have, there's no way I could ask him. And I'll put that to you and it may be different, but what I have often found is guys in particular, since that's who I tend to hang out with, who would say, people think that. And what it results is, is nobody asks me. And I don't have a lot of people asking for advice. What's your experience? Well, my experience has been that, but I want to go a step further. Yeah. So we, we, you know, obviously we are sharing this message of mentorship to the world because A, um, we're super excited about the book and B, we want a million people to have this book. And so we're doing a lot of these. In fact, um, we're on some national television. I'm doing a 20 um, city uh, tour, book tour with 20 major markets. And where I'm going with this is, is that it's happened now three times where we were on with someone that has a reach, a, an audience of over a million people, okay, over a million people. And they said, would you stay on for five minutes after we're done? And, and we do. And they say, hey, I didn't want to say this on air, but uh, I don't have a mentor. Huh. And I, I didn't want to say it, you know, my audience, you know, I, I'm mentoring them. And so, I, you know, I, I just wanted to be kind of private, but would you mentor me? And I'm like, dang. Do you know how powerful it would have been if you would have said that on air? Because do you know that the million people following you are thinking the same thing as you? Yeah. Like they're just like, so, so not only have I had the experience where people think I'm too busy to mentor them, they don't ask, but there's amazing, awesome people that are impacting a lot of people that are afraid to ask and are, are swimming around without a mentor and they know they need a mentor. And so what I want you to know is if you're out there saying, I don't know if I should ask or I'm afraid I'm going to get turned down. I want you to know you are not alone. Yeah. Like you are not alone. There are people that, you know, that are willing to step up and help you if you're willing to ask. But know this, the vast majority of the world doesn't have mentors. And that's why there are these crazy, super successful people. And they have the secret. And it's called they had mentors. We, we mentioned some people here that you've had on the show. But Steve Jobs had critical mentors in his life. Bill Gates critical mentors in his life. Richard Branson, critical mentors in in their life. Okay. I mean, the list goes on and on. People that we recognize as being super successful. 
one of their big secrets is at the right point of their life, they had people mentor them and then they put their genius into what they learn. And that's why we talk about them today. That's why books are written about them. That's why, you know, they're, they're wealthy and famous, but they had mentors. So if you get nothing else out of this, know that you're not alone, but here's the catch. You're not supposed to be alone. Yeah. You are supposed to do this thing in life with other people. We weren't put on this earth to be alone. We were supposed to do this together. Entrepreneurs need to band together. They need to help each other. They need to mentor each other. Families, parents, well, husbands, wives need to do this together. We've got to help each other. If the world right now was being mentored, and by the way, we all have something to share. We all have something that we can teach somebody else. And so again, when you read the book, it's about two things, getting a mentor and being a mentor. Okay, it's not just getting a mentor. That's where we started this conversation with. But it's equally as important that you become a mentor. Get a mentor, become a mentor. That's the exponential impact that happens as a result. I'm going to ask you a question right on that. I do want to point out, though, when you talked about people who are crazy successful, that when we see the person, we all know the stories who are crazy successful. And I can pick on the businessmen because they're the easiest ones to pick on. And somebody who has gone off, they have done well. They have almost always had a mentor, somebody helping them with business. And yet they aren't seeking mentorship over here. And we can pick on relationships and that's where we see them crash. So again, folks, to look at, see that. And I love you talking about uh, you have multiple mentors in multiple areas of your life. And we can easily here on the Zig Show point to the Ziggler wheel of life to look and we should have either a mentor in each area or at least make sure those are covered. But coming back towards the definition really of a mentor, you know, and, and I've done it as well. It's easy to point back and go, Oh, who's my mentor? Well, I grew up with, you know, Zig Ziglar and who's my mentor today. Well, it's Dale Carnegie and it's Victor Frankel and, it, and it's whoever. Okay. Granted, great counsel, great teaching. But when you talk about being mentored and mentoring, because I could also say, who am I mentoring? Oh, I've got tens of thousands of people who listen to the show, right? Neither of those is face to face. So I want you to talk about that in regards to, because a lot of people will say, yeah, I'm mentored by all these, the podcasters, the bloggers, the authors, they are all mentoring. Give us the difference. Yeah, so the, you can definitely go to a podcast author and say they are mentoring me because you are getting that content. But that's why I said you're just collecting bricks at that point, okay? Then you have to teach it to other people. And I call it contagious proximity, okay? And what that means is, is that sometimes things are caught even more than they're taught and you catch them in this proximity. So you've got to be in proximity with someone to really have that kind of impact that we're talking about here. With Kevin, I moved down to St. Petersburg because I needed to be in this contagious proximity zone of him for a while. Now, I don't have to do that now. We can we can text, we can phone call, we can Skype, you know, and so you can do the contagious proximity virtually as well. So I'm mentoring two men right now in my life that had the courage to step up and say, I'm good where I'm at in business, okay? But I'm not where I want to be in my family life. I'm not leading my family the way I know I've been put on this earth to lead. And I've read your material. They've gone to my website. I talk a lot about this. In fact, by the way, the book opens with an incredibly vulnerable moment of my life where I realized that I wasn't 
leading my family the way I needed to be leading. I was winning at work, but I wasn't winning at home the way I needed to. And so that's how the whole book even opens up. And and it's the undercurrent of the whole book is talking about this. But these two men were vulnerable enough. They are crazy successful. I mean, they've got businesses bigger than mine, but they came to me and said, I need counsel. I need wisdom in this area. And so what I did is I taught them the concept of what if the most valuable business that you will ever own, ever operate, ever even be a part of is the one you're going home to, not the one you went to that day. And I, all I've done, all I've done is do an inventory of what they're really good at in business and taught them how to be that good at it at home. If you're really good at marketing, there's ways to do marketing inside your home. You know, come up with a family logo, do a a family mission statement. You know, I mean, there's all kinds of ways to connect the business world. You know, I I was good at meetings. And so every Sunday night we would do shareholder meetings. And so, you know, but these these men had to get really vulnerable because the world sees them as being extraordinarily financially successful. But they said, I want to be that successful at home. I want to feel the way I do at home, you know, the way I do at work. You know, I feel like I've got confidence and clarity. I make every decision, you know, with with so much confidence and clarity, but I come home to chaos and confusion and I can't make the first decision with confidence and clarity. And I want that to change. And so so I'm just I'm just giving you examples. I'm I'm building off what you said earlier about these crazy successful men who had or or people, women even that were super successful in business, but their personal life really fell apart. They needed a mentor in that personal life so that they could bring home the best and the first instead of the last and the least. And I love talking about that message because I got it wrong longer than I've gotten it right, but I got it right just in time. And now I'm seeing the fruits of that decision in my young adult children. Well, and the story about yourself that you just referenced, that you start this book off with. Uh, folks, if you go back, it's back a ways to episode 419. That was my first talk with you, Mark. And that's what we talked about was that, yes. uh, you know, that, that experience in your life. And speaking of that, uh, Kevin Harrington, my first, I think I've had him on a couple of times, but the first one we really went through his initial story was episode 507. So 419, 507. And you can hear me go deep with Mark and with, uh, with Kevin, you know, and you talking about the, you know, I can look, I just want to, I just want people to hear this. I can read this book. I can get I talk about a playbook on business success and it's Kevin Harrington. I know that's your focus, but it gives a lot about you as well. I can do that and get great business success. That's great input. And we'll call it a, an aspect of mentoring. It is different than me being with you at my home, which I had the pleasure of doing and us talking face to face. And I get to say, yeah, okay, but here's my circumstance. And you take that wisdom and apply it to me. To me, that is pure uh, mentoring, just like with a doctor. There's no uh, knowledge out there that we can't all go get for free. Why then do we go to a doctor and say, okay, yeah, but help me with my problem. That's the thing I love about mentoring. Okay, Mark, you mentioned though, the most profitable business, our, our family. So about 
Uh, an hour ago, just before starting this, I did a show with our buddy, Tom Ziegler, and we're talking about the book. I said, I, I, he didn't know. I said, hey, I got Mark on the show next and talked about the book. Of course, he wrote a foreword. It was a great uh, foreword. And he, I said, you know what? So Tom, what's your main takeaway? And he said it was balance, balance in regards to business and family that so many of us think to be successful in business, we do have to sacrifice family and relationships overall in order that and what you showcased is deciding to do the opposite now you just talked about it with mark that you have both brought your kids into your businesses and you know i just i've just uh, my you you talk in there about cassandra your daughter who became your personal assistant i've done the same my daughter eliza she is uh 20 and yet, man, we just connect, we get each other, we gel, and she's doing it. Now she's mentoring me and some things I can do better. And even further, she is having the ability to mentor me as a dad because she was my kid. She is my kid, but now I have little kids and she's saying, you know, you could serve them better because she's in relationship. You could serve them better, daddy, by doing this. This is how Canyon ticks. This is how Ian ticks. It's just, it's just incredible. But I want to come back to that with making your family a part of your work. And I want to come there because I, I think it's a, I, I, I want to, I want to hit the challenge of that, the struggle of that. So I grew up with an entrepreneurial dad and for my formative years, he had an automotive business. So he's working on cars. Well, that was easy, man. He brought me there, taught me how to do it. And I'm putting pinstripes on and tenting windows and cutting holes in the tops and putting sunroofs in and all this stuff. That's cool. If you got a dad who has a plumbing business or does landscaping, or you said manufacturing, even you can do that. How many of us have businesses or even, even more so we don't even have a business. We have a job somewhere and we think, man, it is hard to bring the kids in. I've honestly, I've struggled with that a little bit. I mean, it's hard for me to bring my kids in and go, well, I'm I'm writing. I don't know how to have you help me with that. Now I do have a daughter who's joining me and I've got sites on how I can include my other kids, but how are some ways to bring the family into the integration with your work when it may not be a literal personal assistant or working with you in your business or job? Yep. So, uh, I, I talk about it in the book that uh, when I figured out my driveway moment and I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, I had it all upside down. What if, all the businesses that I had and everything I've ever done in business and even the work I did with USA Today or, or the early jobs I had working for other people, what if that wasn't just to be a provider? What if everything that I learned and continue to learn was so that I could come back and apply all of that to my most valuable business, which is my family? So what I did is I legally incorporated my family. Now, I know that's extreme, but you can look it up in the Indiana Corporation Register. 2B Tim's LLC is a real corporation. And my daughter has the same amount of shares that I have in the corporation. So it doesn't function like my e-commerce company or manufacturing company. I just, I had to create an environment that literally I could use the same vernacular. I could use shareholder, marketing, bottom line. And we started meeting as a family and I started teaching them all these business elements of our family. Then why were we put on this earth? What impact are we supposed to have? What's our bottom line value? What is our enterprise you know, value? What's our reputation in the marketplace, okay? What do people think of when they hear the word Tim, when they hear the name Tim? What are they thinking out there? 
And so I was I was teaching them from a business perspective, which made a lot of sense to me, but applying it to the family. And so so yes, I did figure out how to involve some of my kids in my other businesses, but really their involvement for a number of years, Kevin, was in this family business. Now, how did we do this? Okay. We did it very cleverly. All right. So we just basically said, okay, my wife and I sat down and we said, how much money are we spending on the kids for just a general month, like on clothes, on they go to a movie or, or, you know, school, whatever. And we divided that up according to their age. And then when they hit 12 years old, we gave them a debit card and the family business basically put them on salary. And so we put the exact amount of money that we were spending anyway. Okay. So this wasn't like extra, extra. This is just what we were spending anyway. And then they had to buy everything. If they, if they were going to get, uh, you know, some food after a game, they had to buy that with their debit card. If they needed shoes for school, they had to buy that with their debit card. If anything that they bought, they had to buy it. If we were at the grocery store and they said, Hey dad, I want this. We would say, instead of saying no, you know, we went from being no parents to being yes parents. Sure. You can buy that. But when you're out of money, you're out of money. Like there's no money. So the lessons we were able to teach inside of this, we, we had a custom pair of Nike tennis shoes show up at our house one time. I didn't even know there was such a thing. You can have your name put on it, whole nine yards. Well, our son chose to use all the money he had in his account for this pair of shoes. And he was so proud of them. But for the next 22 days, he was flat out broke, <laughs> not a penny to his name. All the stuff that he needed to buy or spend anyway, he had to either get, you know, he had to work extra, you know, jobs and chores to earn some extra money or he just went without, you know, he didn't get to go anywhere. And so, and we had our daughter, you talk about Cassandra one, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, outing her here, but she had, she bought this product that she wanted her eyelashes to be longer. And so, so she bought this product, it showed up, it was like the size of a, 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 a chapstick container. And she spent all her money that month on this. Well, by the way, it didn't work. Okay. And, you know, and she was broke for the rest of the month. Now I'm telling you this because this way of running a family like a business allowed our kids to learn so much. Now I've got a son in his young twenties that's buying a house for cash and I didn't give him any of that money. Okay. He learned lessons. He failed under my roof so that he could, could see he could succeed when he left and he went out there on his own. Our kids have, they have investment portfolios and, and they learn that in our family business. I didn't give them that money, none of this money. They learned the value of a dollar. They learned hard work and they learned responsibility inside of this business environment that we created inside of our family. The key I want you to know is they failed a lot but they failed in a safe environment. You want your kids to fail. Oh my gosh, please let them fail and let them fail often, but be there to raise their, raise them up, pick them up and then teach them because when they fail, they're never more coachable and teachable than that moment right there. So when we don't let our kids fail, we rob them and we rob ourselves of all of these teachable moments. Okay. So yes, if you have an actual business, you can involve your kids in the business back to your original question. But if you don't have a business or you don't have a business that makes sense to involve them, Make your family into a business. Create a business of family. Let your family be the most valuable business. Get creative like we did. I mean, the, the young kids, we couldn't give them debit cards, so we gave them marbles because they couldn't keep track of the money. They were losing the money we was get, were giving them. So we assigned a value to marbles. So they would pay for things with marbles. They would, they would use marbles as a currency until they could manage money. So there's all kinds of creative ways 
that you can do this. But the key is your family can be ran like a business so that you can teach and mentor your kids all these lessons that they're going to need. Oh, one, one more favorite one to get a cell phone. You have to give to a contract with Verizon or AT&T. Well, we realized we were handing our kids cell phones without a contract. Well, that's foolish. So we developed a contract. And so our kids to get a cell phone had to sign a contract, just like we had to sign one with AT&T. Well, guess what? Our kids now are signing contracts for leases. They're signing contracts for cars. And they're not afraid of a contract because they know what a contract means. And they know if they don't adhere to it, that there's consequences and penalties to it. But we we taught them that inside of our environment. Yeah. Plus, we had a piece of paper. When they didn't adhere to the cell phone rules, we just brought the piece of paper back and said, is that your signature? Did you agree to this? Okay, hand over your cell phone. Okay, and they and there was no recourse because they, they couldn't argue because they signed the contract. So lots of ways that you can create a business like environment inside of a family and teach your kids lessons they need for the rest of their life. Well, as folks are hearing that and you're interested and wondering how and you want more Ziegler family dot com. Go there. That's Mark's. Ba- well, I was say your baby. That's you. It's you and your wife. It's your families, uh, where you can find out more of that. So, okay, as you're as you're hitting on this and talking about the kids, success in the family, success in work, business, money. I mean, obviously, somebody could get the sound, you know, get the the perspective of the family von trap, and you're just going around with a whistle, and you know, everybody's militantly going along and doing this stuff and having success. Talk about the relationship side and what it did for uh. your family's relationship. I may even get emotional here. Like every hair on my body just stood on end because uh, uh, when I was just parenting, when I just had the title of of dad and or husband, and I wasn't leading, um, yeah, I wasn't mentoring. Uh, let me give it to you this way, okay? For those of you out there, if you have children, um, when they're little, they reach up and they grab your hand, and you remember what that's like, and your heart beats, and you're like, "Oh, this is so beautiful." But then they let go of your hand because they're, you know, a few years later, because they're like, "Yeah, they're too cool for school. They're not going to be caught holding mom and dad's hand, right?" Yeah. And and then you go through a whole big period of life where you wonder if they'll ever grab your hand again, and if you get this right. If you dive into their relationship, you see, when I started having the kids travel with me and, and I was taking them on trips and I was I was pouring into their life and I was mentoring them and I was leading them and I was coaching them and I was I was really deep, deep drilling wells of relationship in their life. What happened is, is that as they got older, they reached up and they took my hand a second time and they said, I choose you. I choose you to show me how to be an adult. I choose you to show me how to be a husband or a wife. I choose you to show me how to be a colleague or a coworker. And the coolest part is when they take your hand the second time, you get to be their dad. You get to be their mentor for the rest of your life. Because guess what? They're going to choose somebody. Yeah. Okay. If they don't choose you, they're going to choose somebody else to, to coach or mentor them. And you want it to be you. And so when you get this right, when you do this right, when you when your family becomes the most valuable thing that you do, when you, they get your first and your best, you get to mentor them forever. So I'm sitting here telling you I have a relationship with 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 the kids that is bigger and better than I would have ever allowed myself to say. Even when I was on the, the episode 400 and whatever it was, I wouldn't have been able to even say at that time 
I wouldn't have I wouldn't have allowed myself to say that I could have a relationship like this with the kids. But it happened because of that contagious proximity, because they were with me, because Cassandra left public school for a year and to travel with me. And, and it was her choice. She went on online learning before online learning was really a thing. And she 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 her freshman year of high school of all times to travel with me for a year and went on 30 different trips with me. And I got to pour into her and develop a relationship that I didn't have at that point. And so that's what happens. That's why the book is called, you know, Secrets of Success in Business, Relationship and Beyond. Yeah. Okay. Because it, our relationships, you talk about scaling. I learned how to scale business from Kevin Harrington. But guess what? I also learned how to scale relationships because I started applying it back home. That's why we end almost every chapter taking the business lesson and teaching you how to apply that same lesson at home, because I want you to scale your family. I want you to scale relationships, and I want it to be way beyond anything you can imagine. I want folks to hear when you talk about, let's pick out Cassandra, who you talked about, who you just, you spent a year with her traveling. Again, for those who heard that, I'm always hearing the, the people who may want to discount that, and you don't travel. You don't have these grand experiences, whatnot, that the point is, however, and I know this from knowing you, knowing your stuff, reading the book, is it's the experience and the sharing. And so if that experience is, hey, come spend the day with me doing X, Y, Z, whatever it is, whether it's something for the kid, you know, going to their game, doing something just with them, or even vice versa, I'm doing a mountain bike race on Sunday and I'm gonna take one of my sons specifically. I think we'll appreciate it. Then we'll do something afterwards and just have that time. And the experience and the sharing over the teaching, uh, that one is always one that's been, I've been enamored with because I realized if I don't have that experience and the sharing and that relationship with them, the teaching really doesn't matter because they're not listening anyways. And okay. that's, you could, we could, I mean, there's a, there's a discussion right there on the juggling mark. And again, you know, we've got kids uh, of similar ages. I've got a big range. I've got eight to 25 right now. And I am ever more focused on that balance of I'm still their father. There's still some authority there, of course. But if I do not have their respect, uh, you know, it's that thing of I'm not there to be my kid's friend. I'm there to teach him. Okay, I get that. I get that. But I, I want a friendship with my kids as well. And there needs to be respect both ways. Otherwise, I can't offer them anything. And that's what I have seen with your Ziegler family materials is all these things. It's not so you can go teach your kid necessarily to do X, Y, Z and they're flipping houses at a young age. The reason that's happening, you were able to teach is because of that shared experience and sharing life. And man, that is not, you know that that is not the average parenting and maybe speak to this because I know there's guys out there go, you know, I teach my kids baseball. I have for 12 years I mean, you can do that and still not share a relationship. Yeah. So, uh, we, we talked about how the book started, it started with me in my driveway, not wanting to go home. It was a really tough moment for me in my life, but it ends with what Kevin would call a magical transformation where I'm literally traveling with three of my kids. I'm speaking in front of an audience of about 400 people and the 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 event organizer had seen my kids with me the whole time that i was there and so he's like hey well i, I want to pull your kids up on stage and i went over to my kids i no time to prep nothing like it, the the session is getting ready to start and i'm like hey 
um, he wants to pull you up on stage. And my kids are like, no, 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 no. We're not going to talk. You know, if he goes up there, we're not saying anything. And I'm like, okay, it's okay. Just, just go up there, you know, and Marcus, my oldest said, I'll say something. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. You say something. And so they go up there and all they ask is the guy asks one question. What was it like to be the child of an entrepreneurial father? And I want to tell you, talk about vulnerable. What happened next ranks as one of the top five moments of my entire life. Now, you might think it's because, oh, man, my kids just got up there. No, they got up there and said, man, we used to hate that our dad was an entrepreneur. We hated his businesses. He missed everything. You know, we just we didn't want to hear about it. We didn't want to hear that he was going on another trip or what he was doing because we we just we just didn't like it. It was you know we we wanted him. You know, we didn't want his business. And and you know, and they just I mean, it started off with this real like man. They were just so vulnerable and honest. But then they literally said, but a few years ago something happened, and we became his most valuable business. We became his his priority. And wow, we are so thankful that he's an entrepreneur. We love his businesses. We love that 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 he's an entrepreneur. We love that he can, you know, have some freedom to choose, you know, what we can go with and that he can be there when when he needs to be there and that he could teach us all these cool lessons and and all of this stuff. And so it, it went from this really low point to this high point. And what happened was I look out in the crowd and everybody is crying, men, women. Some people are on the ground consoling other people that are sobbing. And, and I asked the event organizer, of course, I was crying, you know, listen to my own kids, but I, I knew why I was crying. And afterwards I said, what happened? And he said, you got to understand this was in the country of Hungary, by the way. They are first-time entrepreneurs. The entrepreneurial, the definition of entrepreneur is only 20 years old in the country of Hungary. You couldn't hmm. be an entrepreneur before that. So these are first-generation entrepreneurs, and they're scared, and they're going into business for the first time. And all they want is for their children at the end of the day to say exactly to them what my kids just said about me, yeah. that they are proud of mom or dad because they're an entrepreneur because they wouldn't want them to be anything but that and that's why they were sobbing that's why they were in tears and so what am i talking about why did this happen it's because they the kids don't care what you know until they know you care and my kids didn't know that they were important to me so if you're out there it starts by just pulling your family together and saying you know what? You're the most valuable thing in my life. You know, I talk about my business. And I spend a lot of time with my business and, and now I'm working from home and I'm behind a closed door all the time. But I want you to know that you are my most valuable business. And I want you to know that this is hard for me. Be vulnerable. When, when I started this whole concept, and this is something, Kevin, I've never told you. I started by sitting down and apologizing to my children and my wife for not being the dad and the husband mm -hmm. that they deserved, that I was giving my best and my first to my businesses and not to them. And I took responsibility for it. And it was the most vulnerable thing I've ever done in my life. I felt the weakest that I've ever felt as a man before in my life. But I will tell you that my children would point back to that moment and say, it was the strongest I've ever seen my dad. It was the strongest I've ever seen my father 
because he was owning his stuff. He took responsibility for not only him, but he took responsibility for our family. And that day he started to lead. That day he started to be the dad, the father that he was put on this earth to be. So sometimes we think we can't be vulnerable, that we can't be weak. We have to be strong in the presence of our family all the time. I'm telling you, it takes far more courage to be vulnerable than it does to be strong. Far more courage, far more strength to be vulnerable than it does to be strong. So that's what I'm talking about. When we're sitting here talking about relationships, and we're sitting here talking about leading our family, I mean, we got to be vulnerable and we've got to be raw and real and show failure and show mistakes. My kids have respect for me because they see me fail now. I was hiding it from them. I was I was robbing them of of what they needed to see because if they're going to have proximity in business, they're going to see that I make mistakes in business sometimes. And now my kids aren't afraid to ask me. They're like, "Hey dad, how'd that work out?" And I'm not afraid to say, "That was bad idea." Like, I lost a lot of money on that and and I'm really, you know, I, I really wish I wouldn't have done it, but here's what I learned from it and why I'm never going to do it again. And I wasn't doing that. I was afraid to do that because I didn't want them to see me fail. And I was robbing them of the greatest learning that they could get from their dad. That right there, Mark, actually the last three minutes, that was worth the price of admission right there. I may just scrap the rest of the podcast and just post that. Uh, So incredibly rich. I mean, you mentioned the story about your kids on stage. You talk about that well, I would give it, am I giving away the book if I say that? Let me just say, no, just let me just it. say this. Well, Tom, you, you need to read the book, I Tom's, mean, but, you, you, but, but here's what you need yeah. to do. You give away anything you want to give away. Uh, well, I just, I want, I want people to read the book. I want people to hear that Tom Ziegler called the epilogue, the epic log. Uh, it was that powerful and enough that he said, don't skip to the end. I didn't right away. I may have later uh, skip there. Uh, so powerful. And that piece about failure, Mark, I've shared it before, but one of the greatest values I got from my parents was that close proximity. They were doing businesses. My dad was. I got to be a part of the family dynamics to sit at the table to hear what was going on. And I knew and heard the nitty gritty. And I can hear people out there going, no, you don't want to expose your kids to that. And I'm telling you, it was one of the best gifts. And now that I've seen so many parents do the opposite and keep the kids from knowing those failures, those kids are not comfortable with failure. I got on a silver platter and it was never a problem to try something because I just didn't look at it as failure. You just look at it as something didn't work. I got that. I'm one of the most spoiled people on the planet because of that. And it caused some intentional parenting on my part to let the kids know not only one, my failures in business or whatever, but one of the greatest benefits I partake of right now as a father of my older kids is getting to share the fact that guys, I'm just a guy and I'm trying and you need to know where I have failed you and am failing you. So you can put it on the table and you can learn how to be better. And, and they all are. And uh, thank you for pointing that out. Man, I, and I, I'm going to I'm just going to add one more thing on please. that, because if you're out there and you're like, what do you mean? How do I do this? OK, I'm going to give you a practical example that you can do tonight. If you're listening to this going, I want to get started right now. Here it is. I was failing almost every night when my kids were young, putting them to bed because I took my cell phone with me. I love putting my kids to bed. I love it, love it, love it. I love that intentionality. I love that moment. But I was taking my cell phone with me and I I was looking at a text message or an email or something and it was disconnecting me from the moment. 
So I called a family meeting. Okay, it was a Sunday night, and I basically said, "I want to. I'm failing you here. I want to be better. I want to change. And here's how. Here's how much I'm committed to it. If you catch me with my cell phone when I'm putting you to bed, I want you to take it from me. Physically take my phone from me." And you get to keep it for the rest of the time or take it out and put it in the kitchen and you call me out on it. And I want to tell you something. I was it was so embarrassing. The first two, three, four, five times it happened. I mean, it happened more than once. But I finally got the discipline to stop doing it because I empowered my children to say, I want to be better than this. And so you hold me accountable. Now, let me fast forward. That's a few years ago. My kids are now older. Guess what? My kids now have no problem calling me out and saying, hey, I think you handled that wrong. Hey, I think you could have handled that better. Do you know how lucky I am? Do you know how lucky I am to have a 17-year-old that's willing to say, hey, I, I, w- I think you could be better than this. I think you could do something better. Or a 19-year-old or a 22-year-old. Okay, it's the coolest thing ever that I have now taught my children that I'm willing to be so vulnerable that they can call me out on my stuff anytime. And you know what it does? It makes me a better human being. I am the best version of myself around my family because they all know they can call me out and I'm not going to argue with them and I'm not going to fight with them because I got over that a long time ago over something as simple as a cell phone because I wanted to be a better version of, uh, of, my, of their dad and be, having my cell phone in my hand, that wasn't the version I wanted to be. And I want to tell you something, you want to change a habit in your life, empower your kids to hold you accountable. They are good at it and they enjoy doing it and they will do their job so that you can be the best version of yourself. I mean, we are back to, and it's probably more than another show, but just on that aspect of respect. And if people are hearing that and feel like, man, that's, that's a tall order to be able to give my kid permission. I mean, that, that takes some time in the workings of that mutual respect. And I will say that that's different than just saying being a friend, because I am, I'm an authoritarian, authoritarian parent. I'm not a, you know, be free and do whatever you want. And if I discipline you, it's squelching your artistic ability or whatever people say these days. I'm not that, but having respect and Mark, man, it's, I, I hear you. It's one of the biggest gifts I've ever experienced. Uh, and I want people to hear also, I'm still not doing it perfectly. It's still a journey. It is still a journey. I do want to, as much as we talk about mentoring and we talk about family, primary pillars of this book, it is also a playbook on some of the most incredible business success. And again, I know you write it as a mentee of Kevin, of Kevin Harrington, but there's a lot of your own wisdom and counsel in that. But as you look at, I was just pulling up, you know, look at the chapters and the specific efforts right now. What would you, I'm not even going to put a number. It could be top one, top three, whatever. What would you say if you had to encapsulate it, that your time and your exposure, your close, your, your proximity to Kevin top few things that you have changed as a result business or family. I know you said some of the things you did in business, you also apply to family, but just whatever, what, what rises to the surface when I ask that question? Yeah. So now right at the top is, uh, is fair. I don't think I understood what fair was. And, and we, we do talk about it in the book, but let me just give you the synopsis. Okay. Kevin 
uh, you know, a lot of people think, oh, I got to get a great deal. And and if you get a great deal, you, you brag about it with your buddies, you tell everybody, you tell your wife or husband about it or, oh, I got this great deal. But here's what you need to know in business. If you get a great deal in business, it's a one-time deal. And so in business, you want to scale. So if you want to scale, I was trying to get the best deals. I thought that's what I was supposed to do in business, but my businesses weren't scaling. So what I learned from Kevin is, he spends more time trying to figure out how to get a fair deal. Why is that? Because a fair deal is the only scalable deal there is. If you get the best of someone else, you might make more money on the transaction, but as soon as it scales, that deal's over. Okay, as soon as they see it scale, they're out. They're not gonna continue the deal. Or if you give a generous deal, like too generous of a deal, like I give you a special deal because you're my friend, it's a one-time deal. As soon as it starts to scale, I'm out because I can't continue to be that generous because I'll lose my shirt, right? So the only scalable deal in life is a fair deal. And guess what? It's scalable to a million, to 10 million, to 100 million, to a billion. A fair deal is is totally scalable to anything. But we don't, we were not taught that. We're taught to get the best deal. But the best deal is often not scalable. Yeah. Find a fair deal. So that was, that's number one. Number two is dream team. Okay. We, in business, we say, oh, well, I, I hire who I can afford. I mean, almost every entrepreneur I've ever talked to, you know, I said, well, you know, tell me about your CFO or your accountant, you know, well, I hired who I could afford. And Kevin's like, no, 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 no. He's like, I would rather have, if I want to grow a business to a hundred million dollars, I would rather have 10% of the time of an accountant that knows how to go to $100 million. That's a $100 million accountant. Then 100% of the time of an accountant that can only get to a million, because guess what? You're only going to a million if you hire who you can afford. So he was so ingenious at always putting a dream team together and it just busts all the stereotypes and molds. He oftentimes put a dream team together without any money. And he just incentivized a way of, of motivating them to help him with the business. And then ultimately, everybody won in the process. And so the concept is have a dream team. And I know I started out the, the, the show talking about I never took a business over $100 million. And I, I chose Kevin because he had scaled. Well, guess what? I now have my first business that's well on its way to $100 million. Awesome. Guess what? I still live in the same house. I still drive the same driveway, I still drive the same vehicle, still have the same kids. The only thing that changed was Kevin changed my mind. He changed the input. I was the limiting factor. Hmm. I was the guy that was keeping it from going any higher. And so, because I had this mentality that I could only hire who I can afford yeah. and, and I couldn't scale past hmm. that and I had to get the best deal. And so fairness, okay, and the dream team concepts, those were two concepts that just absolutely changed everything. And by the way, both of them apply at home. Okay, I talk about how I use this fairness in my home and my family. I talk about how you know I use this dream team concept even in my family. So those are two big lessons that we go into pretty deeply in the book, that if you grab a hold of those two concepts, inevitably you're going to start seeing huge results in your business and relationships and in your family. Well, I don't know how to anchor the whole show better than that right there. It's such a great combo. It's just a unique book in how you have balanced, go back to what Tom said, balanced these 
pillars of our lives as people, as everybody, everybody listening to the show, we're all, we have work, we have careers, we have businesses, we have family, we want to do well on both. And we often think that they're going to cancel each other out. And I've fallen into that lie before as well. And I generally fell on that. I'll keep my relationships and my family tight. And yet I didn't do good business and it's hard to fund the things you want to do when he can't do that. So man, I, I'm grateful for you guys doing what you've done. Talk about, back to you talking about being vulnerable, being vulnerable enough to, to write what you did in this book, to share what you did. And uh, I don't know that there's anybody that does not need to hear it. And I, I'll, be, I'll be your best student from this book right here. All right, Mark, deal? I appreciate that. That's a deal. And, and all we've ever wanted, it's not a how-to book. We wrote it in story form so that everybody can take their own notes. Yeah. Everybody can glean whatever they need to glean. What I know is, is exactly what you need right now in your life you're going to find in that book. I don't know what chapter. I don't know what lesson. I don't know what story. But if you're listening and you're like, I need something in my life to go to the next level in relationship, family or business, it's in that book. Yeah. And yeah. so that's the way we wanted to write it. And we knew when you're done, I can guarantee you this, you're going to want a mentor and you're going to want to be a mentor. Yeah. And that's when the fun really starts. This has been fun, fun and valuable. Mark, thank you. Uh, everybody, go read the book. <laughs> go read the book. What a show. What a mix of mentoring, Kevin Harrington's playbook on business success, and of course, family success. Again, you can get Mentor to Millions, which has just come out and already hit the bestseller. So we can get it anywhere, but go to getmtm.com, show them a receipt from buying the book, and they're offering, again, 30 days of mentorship for your business and your family. Coming up in episode 822, what benefit does it give you? We buy what we buy for the benefit it gives us, right? In, in the form of a fulfilling a desire or solving a problem. Sometimes we aren't even aware of why we buy what we do, but there's almost always a specific reason. So the exercise of the show is to get us thinking about benefits from the products and services we buy so as to help us better conceptualize how we need to showcase the products and services we offer and showcase the benefit. Even if you're an employee, though, and we talk about this a good bit in the show, you're paid for a result, not simply to take up space, right? So are you aware of the specific benefits you provide? And I start the show off with a three-minute clip from Zig Ziglar from his direct sales training. So this isn't a stage and all his humor. He's just being really direct here. He talks about the three aspects of anything that we offer, feature functions and benefits with the core value, of course, being the benefits. Well, from the clip, I asked the Ziegler audience, please recommend a few of your favorite products and services and why, what's the benefit you get from them? What came out was a great overview of just what Zig outlined features, functions, and from them, the benefits. So Tom Ziegler and I had a really interesting conversation dissecting this triad as we talk through so many of your comments. It's really going to help you conceptualize just what benefit you, your product or service is providing. Till then, folks, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together. 